1: So the guy who I was really, really drawn to in the whole Hillsong um, group was Ruben Morgan, one of their main songwriters. Mm -hmm. I just loved him. And so one day I was online and I, and I, I'd heard about Hillsong college. And so I just, I went online and I read a little bit about it. And so I I wrote my parents. I was like, what do y'all think about, you know, me going to, um, Australia and, and, and doing, they, they have a Bible college and then you pick a stream. So everyone does kind of like. The core Bible college mm-hmm. um, stuff. stuff, <laughs> And then you pick a stream, whether that's youth ministry, kids ministry, worship ministry. Um, so yeah, my parents decided, cool, let's do it. So I packed up my bags and flew halfway across the world and I went to Australia. And it's 2003 now. This is 2003. I was there in 2003 and I did uh, their uh, worship stream. and. Man, you want to talk about now? So, I've gone from a church of thousands of black people to a church of 300 white people to now a th- church of thousands of white people who worship more like the black, uh, the black, <laughs> the African people. Yes, I mean, just incredible praise and worship, but still a very different church culture, very different worship culture. What um, are some of the
2: things you'd say would be different?
1: Um. I think for me, one of the biggest differences was the scale mm-hmm. of a lot of what they do. It's like they would do things that you dream about doing. Um, like, for example, <laughs> there there was a, when I was there for, um, I was there for Easter and of course I'm in the worship stream. So we're basically the. We're, we're the workforce, mm-hmm. we're the worker, the worker bees who just whatever needs to be done, we do. And so that year for Easter, I, I was working, I was I was actually doing, um, uh, I was a vocal major and then I changed my minor three times because I just wanted to get as much experience as I could. So one of my minors was in stage and set design. And so we, the, the woman I was working under at the time, I mean, this woman was just brilliant, artistic, just excellent when it comes to stage and all this kind of stuff. So she... <laughs> We go into um, school or work really one day and they've got like this piece of material. I mean, how can I describe it to you? Half a football field? It's like laying on the ground and it's in one of their, they had a a huge uh, like hanger for their stage stuff. So it's on the ground and there are thousands, when I say thousands, I mean thousands of white candles, thousands of them. And she's like drawn this sketch Um, on the on the on the on this piece of white material I'm totally giving someone great ideas to use in their church (laughs) by the way and so she's drawn the sketch and then she gives us these candles and she says on the segments that she's written on these little segments here 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 she's written the word here 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 she's like wherever you see the word here take the candle like a crayon and just fill in that section with the white candle so it's it's just you're basically spreading wax Mm. all over this Mm. material so this took us Maybe we were we were about 60 of us. I, if I can't remember the details, we were a bunch of us, and then um, we had to color in this thing, and then um, and that, that's all we were told to do. So Sunday, that Sunday was Easter Sunday, and so we go to church and Hillsong at the the main campus at that time. Their backstage was um, huge pieces of like ma- like um, material that you use for uh, screens, mm. like s- that kind of material. And so that particular Sunday when we go in, it's now this material we've been using that's more like a cotton. Mm. And so it's been stretched side to side. So it's just this background of the stage is just white. And and so we're all called backstage. And oh, I forgot to mention, there are three of these. Three, three of these white things. We had to do three pieces of material. So we go in There's one piece of material has been stretched and we go backstage and she starts explaining to us, we have got these big buckets of black watered down black paint Mm -hmm. and then she says during they did the song um oh the wonderful cross Mm -hmm. and as they're singing the song in church live during worship all of us students are behind the black material with huge we've got ladders people are we've all been given a section and you're told one two three go and you get the black thing and you just start painting and wherever we had colored the wax the paint didn't seep through Mm -hmm. And wherever there wasn't wax, the paint would come through. So on the front now, you're just worshiping and singing about the wonderful cross. And all of a sudden you just see black shoo shoo, shoo everywhere. Black is just going everywhere, everywhere. And then as they're worshiping, the face of Jesus is what had what? been drawn on this thing. I mean, I was just there like that is just so cool. I I was, get yes, again. <laughs> it was so cool. And then they they took that one down and set up the second one for second service and then the third one for third service. So. Yeah, it was just it was just on a massive scale. And I'm so grateful because the church I had been involved in for forever, uh, my church, I mean, our 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 leaders and our pastors had had just put us at this level of excellence that it was not hard at all for me to integrate with that level of excellence at Hillsong. It was just on such a grander scale. Mm. Um, So they would you know, I was at Hillsong conference. I was there for the Hope album recording. Like, if you pause, there's a few places in the in the DVD. If you pause, you'll see my face, I have black hair. Yeah, in fact, we always I always laugh. I was telling my husband about that album. I I, so I went in January and then a friend of mine called uh, Mushiri from NLC went in May. Uh, He was a member of our church. And
2: now he's does like this. Yeah, he's he's, he's, uh, sounds.
1: Yeah, he's head of sound uh, there at Hillsong. Yes, at Hillsong. Um, so I went in January. He went in, He came in May and he was like one of like three black students in this whole student fraternity. So he stands out immediately. Everyone knows him, loves him. And then he did the t- sound and tech stream, which there were like, of course, everyone who goes to Hillsong is mm-hmm. going because of Darlene Check. So we're like 6,000 worship stream students. And then there's <laughs> like eight tech stream students, one of being Moosh. So Moosh, the head of the sound department, meets the day he, he comes for orientation. I'm showing him around, I'm trying to be like, you know, let me show you Moosh, let me get you settled. And it just so happens that Dave Watson, who's the head of sound, is in the sanctuary at that time. And I'm like, oh, Mr. Dave, this is Moosh, he actually he's come to do sound. This is the head of sound. I'm still like member number 400 of the choir, <laughs> who nobody knows who I am. And from day one Moosh gets connected to the big dog himself and it's like man in fact my tour kind of ended the guy's like Moosh well let me come show you guys something. I'm like and me like guys it actually was very humbling because you know in in, in NLC I'm the pastor's daughter everybody knows me uh-huh. and I'm the daughter of Don Matheny so even outside of you know um, my church people in the church world know no, me. people yep. knew my grandfather they know my dad yep. so I go from being known and the only one of the I very know. few white girls. <laughs> yep. Now I'm in a sea of white girls. No one knows who my dad is. And then Moose shows up and is like, who's this black guy? And it's like, everyone's like, oh, Moose, Moose. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. It was so good for me. I mean, I stayed on the back That's of what the is. choir. Like I'm here, like you guys have written songs, like I'm a worship leader, please. You're an alto. Just the And then even where I stood on Sundays, you know where the camera goes they they had built an extent (laughs) of the stage literally it's like the camera goes here and i'm here like i never even got onto the screen during church and so during the hope album recording i was so i was so excited because we, we we all have to buy these shirts we all look exactly the same there are 700 people in the choir during the hope album recording and i I'm just on the side in a sea of people, and I'm like, oh my goodness, no one is ever gonna see me. And so the day before we did the live recording over three nights. The day before recording, um, one of the set directors comes and they move me. And they're like, Rebecca, we wanna move you from here, and they move me right on on the actual stage. There's two tiny little choirs of like 12 people on each side, mm-hmm. and I move there. Joel Houston is so close, I could have tapped him <laughs> on his shoulder. And um, most of the women who went to Hillsong at this time went because the Lord had spoken to them that they're going to marry Jill Houston. And so he's like the hot number at the time. And I'm like so close to him. And honestly, in my heart, I'm feeling like God has seen my faithfulness in the back row of the choir, never being on the camera. Like now is my time to shine. If you look at the cover of the Hope album recording, the girl who replaced me in the seat, she's on the cover. I only get onto the album one time and it's even in a faded shot. It's like as the shot's fading, it's like, there I am, there I am, there I am. and then I'm gone. Hey, see, the Lord humbled me that year big
2: time. Just, I, I always think about people who want to be worship ministers. Mm. Why is humility important?
1: Oh, humility is key. Pride is what set up the first worship leader ever for his biggest downfall mm. and I think I think a lot of that year for me was was humbling I, I was a vocal major so I had a, a vocal um, teacher and she was really mean like I'm not gonna lie she was mm. she was her style of teaching was to be I would I would say demeaning mm. um, and so I would sing and she'd be like oh Bix you sound like a cow in heat oh Bex, if you were leading worship I'd walk right out of the room like that's how she would talk <laughs> And that's a, well, that's a really good Australian accent. Thank you. Accent. I, I'm, I've, I was like, damn, <laughs> that's good. I lived there for quite some time. Um, yeah, so she was difficult, but it, it made something in me be like, I'll, I'll, I'll show you. I'll do it. I'm going to work hard. Um, and I feel like a lot of my musical journey has been stubbornness. It's been me saying, I am going to be good at this because it really isn't natural. I'm not naturally a I'm not naturally musical. I I have a great love and desire, but it's not something I'm like, I just open my mouth and it sounds like angels. Mm. Me, I'm like pitchy and got a lot of issues. So she really, um, she pushed me. In fact, my first performance major, like you have to perform and you get graded in your performance, you're in front of the student body. So my first performance major was a vocal performance. Um, The highest grade you can get is 50. I got like a 20 something. Mm. I mean, I didn't fail, but it wasn't good. And so, uh, my second performance major was actually dance because I did a dance internship because I knew I wanted to, I might perhaps one day be over dancers and I'm, I i do not in any way think of myself as a dancer, <laughs> but I was like, this might be cool experience yep. to just see what it feels like to be on the dance team. And so I was on the dance team for, um, four or five months and I, I was awful. And so my performance major, uh, they told us that um, the, the tall people were gonna stand in the back row, but there were some short people in that back row. So it was like, I think it's the, I think it's the, the more challenged of us who are put on the back row. And then there's a moment where the back row, we, it's like our, mo- our time to shine, where the back row moves to the front row. We had like 30 seconds to dance. And so I go, and first of all, we had to buy these ridiculous tutus, literally. Richard, I was in a tutu. And who's sitting on the front row watching the students? Uh, Jill Houston, he's sitting right there with, you know, Marty Sampson and all the cool people. And I'm in this tutu and I'm doing this dance. Oh my gosh, and so the the back row moves the front row and I'm like, this is it, this is my moment, I better own it, I I mean, I'm never gonna do this again so I might as well make it good. And so I'm giving it all I've got and there's a movement where we had to like slide across the floor like this and so I give it everything and there's a cable on the floor and I trip And not only do I go down, but I take uh, this other girl down with me. Whoa. And so I'm on the floor and all the other girls around me, I think there was like two dudes in this dance, all the other girls around me, they keep going like, this is for a grade. We are not failing because of you, Rebecca. Like, they're still doing their moves. And I'm there like, what does this mean? Have I failed? Like, so I just stand up, I give a bow, and I walk off the stage. And Joel Houston stands up and he starts clapping for me and cheering. I was like, So that was my my second performance major. My third performance major was a vocal major, a a vocal performance. And out of the 50, my teacher, who had spent all year telling Mm me I'm not that good of a singer and really challenging me, I did a jazz piece for my my final performance major. And um, she was on the panel, and she's never given a super high... She's never given a 50, Mm -hmm. ever. Like, that's a perfect score. Um, She's never given below... uh, above a 45 in her many years of doing this. She yeah. never gave me above a 45. So she gave me a 48 for my final Whoa, performance. The same the one who was like... Yes, who told me I sound like a dying cow when I sing. So that was very cool. But a lot of the year was very stretching for me. There was a time... The the, the cool things that happened when I was Australia... So there were 700 of us who were in the... Um, who were in the choir for the Hope album, but they only used 30 people to do the actual overdubs. Those 700 people were for the video. Mm. They're not for the audio. Yeah. Um, so again, it's just like, I didn't even realize how much I'm learning just by this experience. So I was one of the 30 who Whoa. was selected to be uh, the team that did the overdubs. Uh, so that was very
2: cool. And let me ask, mm-hmm. that's a good point that you brought up. Is this the first time that you're entering a studio or had you entered the studio even before? Had you recorded anything on CD, tape, vinyl, whatever it may be. Mm
1: I hadn't because the first time I ever went into like a little studio was actually in Australia. A friend of mine had a Fruity Loops Mm -hmm. on her laptop. And so we just thought again, we just really think we're big deals because we're making like these beats and recording on this terrible quality microphone on this tiny little laptop. Um, So that was actually my first time in uh, in a little studio, and then in Australia. Although the studio that we we never went to studio, we did it in the in the sanctuary. But we had now like for reals mics, and everyone had earphones. And I mean, now they're being serious about the overdubs for the choir. So that was a cool experience. And then right at the end of my year, um, Darlene Check was doing a fundraiser for um, I think it was Compassion. Darlene, check and delirious were doing a fundraiser, and so out of the entire student body, they selected three singers to be Darlene's BVS.
2: And I was one. Whoa,
1: of them. whoa. Yeah. So that was my only cool thing when I was at Hillsong.
2: And and at this time, you're not thinking Hillsong is. You're still. I'm coming back to Kenya. Oh yeah. In your head, you're not thinking. Oh, for sure. But this big stage is where I want to be.
1: You know what? I think for me, it was this big stage is what I want to create. This big stage is what I want to build. Nice. It's not. I don't. It would have been easy to stay and 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 walk your way up yeah and en- and enjoy because these people have like endless budget like you just think of an idea it can be done like uh-huh. it can in fact when i was on the when, when i was on the deco team they changed the deco whatever deco ch- changes on stage it changes everywhere in the bathrooms in the bookstores in the coffee shops like there's a theme oh. everywhere, <laughs> everywhere So we're the teams who are going changing the flowers in the bathrooms, changing the color scheme, you know, in the bookshops and everything. So Pastor Bobby was very passionate about when you walk into this house, this is God's house. You know, we are the temple. Yes. But this church is God's house. And Mm. when, when I come into your house, your house is going to tell me a lot about you as a person. Mm. And she was very passionate about this house needs to tell people about God. So they were big time serious about, you know and i loved it and it's again like now now at nlc i do all of our stage and sets and i and love it's stuff it. that
2: you learned from yeah. you're able to apply a lot yeah, of that stuff a
1: lot of it so yeah so it was it was a very it was a very humbling year um it was a, a lot of year of doing the the grunt work mm. you know when we did the conference we were the work for i mean you're up at two o'clock literally two three a.m you work until and they even warn you, they warn you weeks up to conference, like this week, you're going to die and then we'll resurrect you and then you're going to die again. Like,
2: just be ready. Yeah. So. Um, but I like that because it shows the church isn't just, oh, it's work. Yeah. It's, it's work, my it, friend. It, yeah, it's a job. And everybody who enters church realizes just how much work yeah, church is. But it's also, let me say, an amazing training ground. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you did this push you more and and to the point where you're like okay now i think going back to kenya this in terms of did it give you more focus into what you wanted to do before 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 this you had talked about there's a vision that you had seen yeah did you get now more direction and more steps on what you wanted
1: yeah i think i think it gave me direction in the sense of it really unlocked a lot of creativity um i had written a couple of songs by then but i think being at hillsong I really got more revelation about songwriting and because you did a course
2: on songwriting
1: yeah i did i well there were some classes on songwriting that were taught that really just kind of opened my eyes like hmm maybe this is something i should actually try um i just think it was a a, it was a year of inspiration but more more than anything i think it was a year of okay let me put it to you this way one of the things when 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 the Lord put it in my heart when I was 17 years old, teach the nations to worship. This is what I think, Richie. I think a lot of people have strength and vision, but don't have a message. Mm. There's no authenticity. You haven't walked that path. Mm. And so, you know, Alan and I laugh like people who get married and it's like two weeks after their marriage, it's like, hi, we started a YouTube channel about marriage. And it can be awesome, but a lot of times it's like, well, you haven't really... Mm -hmm. walked out a lot of this.
2: This this, is not a theory game. (laughs)
1: Well, you're, you're, you're still in the honeymoon right now. It's like you haven't really weathered many storms. And so I think one of the things for me, I was very committed to is if I feel that God's called me to teach, then I need to be the one to learn so that when I stand up to have something to say, I have something to say, Mm. and that's going to take experience. And
2: also, even when you teach, there's a way that you can teach out of empathy. Yeah. I feel where you are. I understand what it is to do a conference and die and be resurrected. Yes. I have done it. Yeah. Uh, I know what it's uh, like
1: to be the alto in the back row of the Mm. choir for 52 Sundays in a row. And nobody pats you on the back. And, you know, you're one of 40 altos. Like, it's easy to be like, why am I even on this choir? Like, it's not like anyone's going to miss me if I'm gone. I understand the reality oh, I
2: know, of- I even know how church can be where people are being rude to each other. Yeah. Uh, they don't give you reason to quit. Yeah. Or, or, you know, but I understand the empathy is huge yeah. in teaching.
1: And even when I came back from 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 Hillsong, I think there was a part of me that was like, all right, people, I've sung BVs for Darlene. I am the anointed psalmist of the hour. <laughs> Let me at him. Um, but again, God just knows it's fire that proves gold. It's fire that purifies gold. It's fire that adds value to gold. And so when I came back from Hillsong, I I was offered I, I I was home for maybe I, I can't remember the time. I, I want to say six or seven months before I was offered a job at Nairobi Lighthouse Church. And the job I was offered was to come on and be the cell group administrator. <laughs> it had nothing to do with music or worship. I mean, I was on the worship team. I, I immediately yeah. came back and connected to the worship team. I was a small group leader. But again, the need that the church had at that time was for someone to come on and administrate the small groups. And that basically meant enter data. So today, I just sit down on my computer. This week, Rebecca Dawn had four people in her cell group. One was a visitor, zero got saved. This week, Richie had 12 people in his cell group. Two were visitors, one got saved. This week, that's what I would do every day every week for years so i was the cell group administrator then i was yes. The, okay first of all when you come back 2004 you i came ju- back 2004 okay so i you joined staff in 2005 mm-hmm. our church staff in 2005 and then i was our i was our sales administrator and i was our youth secretary so i was the youth pastors all we had a bunch of youth pastors i was just there photocopy this and call that and do this and, and that's where i really got involved in Now being involved in like the admin side of things Mm -hmm. like Extreme Weekend and stuff like that. Um, So I'm still serving on the team. I would, I I had just started now like leading worship, leading a song here and there. Um,
2: Are you writing your own music on the side?
1: Yeah, I I had started by then. I mean, nothing,
2: nothing recorded really,
1: nothing, nothing recorded for sure. And nothing good. Let me, I I mean, maybe I'm trying to think (laughs) what songs did we do of mine in church at that time? I don't think we did any to be honest Hmm. like I would write I would show my parents have written this song you know they'd oh that's nice and we'd move on with life (laughs) um again and I'm so grateful there just wasn't any hi yeah the pastor has written a song let's do it in church it's Mm. like well it's not a very good song yet I'm still learning I'm still growing as a songwriter um when I came back from Australia though that's also when I reconnected with kanji I'd known kanji from from I actually met the Milela guys at uh, Pete O'Dera's album recording in Grand Regency.
0: This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's edi fi dot
1: app. Um, when I came back from Australia, though, that's also when I reconnected with Kanji. I'd known Kanji from, from, I actually met the Milela guys at uh, Pete O'Dara's album recording in Grand Regency. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, the whole time I was in the states, I actually we hooked up at some point, and they were they're having a tour in, some church in Dallas and I I went and hung out with him there um so Kanji and I had kind of like kept tabs and kind of kept in touch but when I came home from Hillsong he also had come home from uh from the states and was here now and so we connected and he took me to Gideon Kimanzi's studio Mm -hmm. so that was the first studio I was in 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 uh Giddy. Giddy Studio in here, and this was yes, when he was. Yes, I interviewed in... Giddy and he said he recorded you. Yeah, when we were in, when we were in, when he was in Westlands. What's that building where the subway is now?
3: Yes, um, meet him. Ah, you guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get to try ideas um, around. is ah, this fellow of mine who sings? She's white, but she sounds like a black person. She has soul like a black person. Yeah. Then uh, she's called Rebecca, we have to try out, the more the merrier. Brought her then she was in her teen years.
2: Really from right the mic.
3: Oh, my long manes are interfering okay. with yeah. your <laughs> okay, audio. Um, so, um, meet Rebecca, white cheek sounds black, like here. Yeah? Record her, how many songs did we do? We did Jesus. We did. Did
2: you do right.
3: song called When We Pray? No, that was under that was Kijiji. Oh. It was under Kijiji. Uh, I did a
1: few. Anyway, it was that building, I think it was Bruce's studio, actually. But anyway, Giddy was the producer. So Kanji literally calls me and he's like, hey, so I didn't even know we were going to a studio. Man, I just thought I was meeting Kanji. Like, let's catch up. And he's like, oh, you know, my friend's studio. So we go, we end up writing two songs then and there and recording them like I'm just like so Kanji and I wrote this song on change for your mind I, I have to give you that song
2: <laughs> do you have it please?
1: I have it somewhere I have a CD <laughs> somewhere we write this song and uh kind you know kanji just can gas people up man like kanji can just <laughs> you, you weren't even excited until kanji just so I, we're sitting and I'm feeling so much pr- I've never been in the studio not like this and then I'm put on the spot immediately let's write, a song. Let's write this verse so, hey, hey, I'm in my head like, hiya, yeah, hiya. Yeah. Okay, God, please help me. me I don't look stupid here. So I'm like... <laughs> I'm from here God, yes. please. And I'm trying to be cool with these cool people, these cool producers and musicians. And I'm like, hey, I'm feeling so much pressure. So I record this. I write this thing kind of like, man, let's go, man. Let's record it. It's so I... I, like I get into the booth, it's a proper booth, like the studio I was in in Australia, like I told you, yeah. was just some chicks bed whatever in fruity loops in someone's <laughs> living room, like it was not a studio, this is a studio, yeah. like this recording booth has these heavy velvet curtains, like this is for reals, <laughs> and I am feeling pressure, and my, I've just written this song and they're like, let's record it right now, hey Kanji Bona, Kanji's like, moto fire, like let's go, let's do it now. We record this song, we end up recording a full album together. Not a full album, it was called, what project was it called? You have to ask Kanji and Giddy. So that album, the first Groove Awards there ever was, was nominated, I was nominated as Best (laughs) New Female Artist. I performed at the first Groove Awards. Yes, it was in KICC. I think they had like two spotlights like this. Like there was no glitz, no glam. Hey, there was maybe a hundred people in the audience. I'm my friend. I should
2: Groove now. You and Kanji have this kind of duo thing and thing yeah. uh, that you guys have done yeah. which has like three or two songs or something. Yeah.
1: There were some other artists, I think, on this project, Gidi might remember, Kanji might remember better. But the song that we did that was on that project that now was nominated for a Groove something another was a song called Change. Mm-hmm. Change for your mind, change <laughs> for the times. Change to Frio so I need that change. Oh, I will never forget. I just thought Kanji was find that thing, the way. coolest thing. I remember just watching him and just thinking my goodness, he's such a professional and I'm just a hoax pretender here Who's just trying to fit in. So we did that song then I really connected with um, Gideon Kimanzi. Mm. So uh, the, like I'll never forget there was a time Gideon we were in the studio And he had this chord progression and I just fell in love with it. I was like man I don't know who, but I want that song, whatever it is. So he literally just turned to me, he's like, just go, get into the booth and let's just record and see what comes out. So without writing anything, like I get into the booth, he just presses play and I just start singing from my heart. We still have that song. The song is called Jesus. And it was just a whatever. Freestyle. Freestyle, Yeah. yeah, freestyle. where now really i started loving the process of the studio um i just thought gideon was such a phenomenal producer I, I loved the whole i liked the back end of it so much so much fun and then kanji um this is when he i think he had just started kijiji mm. um the studio so hey. he
2: Rebecca, yes. you is
1: an OG. <laughs> Just choke, let wait. them know. Don't choke, don't <laughs> let them know. Yes. So so I used to go to Kijiji all the time. In fact, I signed a contract for my first album to be recorded by Kanji and Aaron Rimbui. And we started the process, but then it ended up sounding very Afro jazz fusion. And I'm like, yo, this ain't me. Like I can't, I can't pretend. We all knew like it's not happening. Um, but we did so many projects. Okay. This is when Chizzy was an intern. Like what? Chizzy was just Deniseda. the guy. <laughs> yeah, I was the guy for getting tea. Like Riga was
2: just some dude in a, in there. I, He was not even allowed to sign hey, a contract. He was hey. too young. Okay, let me even ask. Now that you brought this up. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I heard of you, I go to Mavuno and I'm visiting. And when Mavuno... Uh, would, would leave, they give you a CD as a, as a welcome guest. Mm. And I'm like, yo, who is this song by Aaron, Kanji, and Kavuza? And Aaron looks at me and says, it's not Kavuza, it's a lady called Rebecca Dawn. <laughs> like, she sounds like she's white. <laughs> 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 she is. <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> but the song is amazing. Um, when we pray. Yes. When we pray. So, can you remember that? Because it's the first. Yeah.
1: yeah. I remember very well the day we wrote that. <laughs> Kanji, I remember the day we wrote that song. So we're we're in we're in the studio. This is um, when Kijiji was in. Um,
2: it was on Gong Road. Um, Gumo. Yes, Gumo. Hey, you your your day once. are yes. Like 001 oh, of yeah. Kijiji Records.
1: Yeah, I would hang out there all the time with the guys. It was so much fun. I loved it. I loved it. And so we're sitting in the studio, and Kanji has this um, uh, idea for this song when we pray. And so we we write this, we we wrote it together and then Kanji said, Kanji said, let's record a demo, a demo. So because now we've just written, we don't want to forget. So we go into the booth, we record, we do some, you know, funny, funny bits at the end with choir and everything. And me, I'm like, ah, we have something to work with. The next day, (laughs) I am driving to the studio. And what do I hear on the radio? (laughs) Our demo, it was the next week. The point is, Kanji said it was a demo and then the thing ends up on radio and I'm like, Kanji buona. Like we haven't even fine-tuned this. It's like, ah, No, it's it's good, it's it's fire, it's Kanji buona. Anyway, yeah, I remember that song so, so, so well.
4: is free. Once again, we can stand, and all-consuming fire falls and fills our hearts when we pray, when we pray, when we, we pray. pray. Circumstances change. Yeah.
2: That's crazy. Yeah. So that's how that song came to yeah. be. At the same time now... So, okay, what I'm hearing about now is that you're becoming very comfortable with being in the studio. Yeah. You're loving the the, music creation process. Yeah. And let me say, as a musician, that when that love happens, it's such an... It's even better than sometimes the final product. Yeah. Just that process yeah. of making something that you, that you love.
1: Yeah, I love it. It, it, it. it was so much fun. And then again, Kanji and Aaron really introduced me to genres of music I'd never even, especially Aaron. Aaron was very involved in helping me love and get to know jazz. And I, I was so gospel, you know, just very one toned mm. in the type. Integrity. Of- yeah, integrity, hill song. song. Yeah, very one-toned in the type of music that I would listen to, and so these guys really would just introduce me to so much. Um, and then I also loved their ability to do fusion, to 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 take, you know, like jazz sounds and work it somehow into a Swahili song. Like, yeah, that was very. I was. I was so. I was very. I was very. I just had fun with those guys. Mm. I I really enjoyed my time with them. That's also so when um, did you you
2: did BGVs on. Aaron's album did you vocally yes. put anything
1: yeah I did BGVs yeah. on Aaron's album I did on his was that his first album keys of life keys of life yeah that's his first yes, album. yes I did I did some BVs on that um yeah, your day ones
2: I mean like what I what, what I'm so glad that you brought this up because I want people to understand just how even in the Kenyan music industry mm. Kijiji was very instrumental in terms of Afrofusion sound and yeah. and and that's Uh, explosion that time but you were in the industry at this time you you were already in what we're calling the gospel music scene yeah yeah Yeah.
1: so that was in now 2006 2007 that's when I was very involved with these guys and you know I'd I'd go to the concerts that they would do and yeah Gideon Kanji and Aaron are really the ones who made production realistic for me because before it was it felt like I don't know. It just felt like you have to have a lot to mm. be able to produce, but this kind of brought it home. It was
2: like, if you are coming from Hillsong, what do you expect? I know exactly. Right?
1: Yeah. So, so it was just a super fun time. So then what, what happened is when, when Aaron and Kanji and I were trying to do my album, we just couldn't settle on a sound like we just couldn't settle on something that I felt sounded like me mm-hmm. that they did well um you know so it it always ended up sounding too funky too jazzy too it's just like this this isn't me so it was actually aaron one day who was like there's a guy who i think would produce your music really well and he's based in zimbabwe i had been there before through church connections my dad was connected to the church that he was a part of so i'd already been there and met him but it had never crossed my mind like this guy
2: do my music like
1: we could do music together never even until
2: aaron suggested it so when- Ooh, I'm sorry to cut you, but there's something that, that I, I, want, I want us to just mm-hmm. touch before we even now talk about the connection. Mm-hmm. Getting your sound is so important. Yeah. I'll give an, a, a previous example. Aaron had tried to get cheesy sound, mm. but it wasn't working. Yeah. Why for you do you feel that it's important for you to have gotten your sound?
1: Cause well, the wa- the
2: music was good that they were making, but yeah, you didn't feel good. like it was.
1: Yeah, I think I think for me it's various. It's a very simple answer, but my answer is flow. It's hard to flow with something that doesn't feel natural. It's hard to flow with something that doesn't feel authentic to you. And so everything Aaron would produce for me, I would be in awe of as far as how skillful it was. How it's just so good, but it didn't feel like me. It didn't. It didn't feel like Rebecca Dawn. It felt like Aaron Rimbui that Rebecca Dawn is singing on, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. It does. Um, yeah, and I think it's very important for musicians to have something that it's like, this feels like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, because I wasn't producing, I'm still dependent on someone else to hear what's in my heart, to hear what's in my head um, and interpret that well for me. Mm-hmm. So it was still a great experience because it helped me learn to start describing what I'm hearing, mm-hmm. you know? and now as a producer this is a part of the process that's it can be so frustrating especially for for someone who's a songwriter who is not a musician mm-hmm. who comes in and like yeah i just want it to feel you know
2: nice and you're like okay <laughs> what does nice what mean? does
1: that mean and i could go yeah. a thousand different directions with that so it also helped me start learning how to verbalize what i'm hearing why i don't like something what feels off it was it was such a great learning time and I didn't even realize I was learning at the time. Yep. I'm just in the studio being like, I don't like it. Well, why? Well, because it's too complicated. Like mm-hmm. it's uh, when I write songs, they have three chords in them. Mm-hmm. When I give them to these guys, once it's like Sijui flat fifth, Sijui augmented, whatever. And I'm like, augmented seventh. it's nice, it's nice, but that's not me. I am your straight white girl three chord like that's where I. that's where my sweet spot, that's where I jam. And it's like, you guys are bringing me these. that we were even laughing. One time I did Twa recently and Kaima was the piano player.
4: I know, the same
1: And so we do this song and we're in rehearsal and Kaima does the intro and I didn't even know it was my song. So I'm standing here like, who's supposed to sing? And then it's like, wait, this is me? I'm like, Kaima, what are you playing? It's not even my song. <laughs> hey, those guys are anointed and taking songs and adding things. I'm like, wait, 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 that's, that's not my anointing. David
2: Mudami, aka Blackman, is not in the picture this time. I I Right when I kind of started doing my
1: own thing, um, that's when Blackman had come in. I, I met him like maybe two times at the studio. Where I really met Blackman was when Kanji did... I don't know if it was called Under the Rock. That album yes, he did the with Mavuna The Mavuna Worship Project. The Mavuna Worship Project. That's really when I got to know Black Men. But that was like the last
2: um, That was way after because even I had joined Kijiji by that time. Yeah. And when I was in Kijiji, you were not there.
1: But that- anytime I would be there that he like either we 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 didn't cross paths or you know, I would be in studio with Kanji and, and, and Aaron and maybe they were out doing something mm-hmm. else. So it was really at the, I, I remember specifically like having conversation with him during that album recording, uh, the Mavuno project album recording, Yes. but that by that point, I no, had not started. Exited. Yeah,
2: I had exited. Okay. Let's, let's go to Zimbabwe now. Yeah. Um, cause that's, I think what, what I'm trying to, he- that's where you found your sound. Yes.
0: This podcast is part of the edify podcast network.